Oh, I should uh, mention this, not not on the actual podcast, but uh, best kind of Nazi one on Saturday. That was great. Oh, no, no, not now. A podcast that would have a much more interesting opening 30 seconds or so if I had tried even a little bit today. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori is here too. How you doing tonight, Lori? Don't like Pete Carroll. Lori does not care for Pete Carroll. Tonight is Monday. It's a date as well. It's the 18th. If you had your calendar up on your computer with the clock next to it. December the 18th, 2023. My uh, my little system tray hides. Uh, you I got, hide it. I hide it, it purposefully so really? it doesn't bother me down there. Wow. So it, that's why he never and know, so that's, I, I went to try and pull it up, time? and it was slow to pull itself up. I should know anyway. I recorded the daily news podcast at the morning press. Morning press. Uh, you go to... Uh, brainiron.substack.com to check that out. Also, it's in your podcast feed. Uh, but subscribe over at brainiron.substack.com. It uh, doesn't cost anything right now. Just just do it. It's a good time. Uh, so I times. should know December 18th because I've been paying attention to the date all day long. It's uh, no one's birthday. It's someone's It's lots of people. So many. No, no one of note, yes. obviously. No one. No, all the times that I, believe, I said, all right, I believe it's, it's Brad 1030. Pitt's, it's Brad Pitt's birthday today, if I remember oh, my weird. this day in history. I'm not just saying correctly. it to be passive aggressive. I'm saying it because he doesn't know what time it is. Christina Aguilera, oh. happy birthday. Look at that. Christina's for, 43 today. Ugh. Steven Spielberg shares a birthday as well. Is he a thousand? Uh, Spielberg is a definition of a boomer. He was born in 1946, so he's pretty old. Thousand. Uh, and Franz Ferdinand, the Archduke of Austria, uh, dead. Dead now, <laughs> but was born on this date in 1863. No one cares once you've died. You think once you died, the day that you died is more important than the yeah, day you Yeah, that's born. more important, especially when you're that guy yeah. and your assassination started a war. Yeah, it's his fault. Fucking asshole. Abe, you have a good weekend? I had a, a good weekend. Uh, my Colts won on Saturday. That was great. Uh, my brother, one of them, did not have a good weekend. Uh, you hear about this petty car theft issue that's been going around? Uh, he had a. No. Does he have a Hyundai or a Kia? He had the Kia. Yeah. So it's like the Kia Boys thing that you see online where, uh, you know, people do Kia Boy things. They, there's an easy way to steal those vehicles. Yeah, apparently, you can just like uh, you use a, an app on your phone, and you can just steal. Uh, you can steal the cars or something. I don't know what the kids. It are is doing. yeah. Apparently, there's some sort of um, uh, oversight by those two companies where like you can like do something in the car and like attach a USB thing, and then like it's like a very easy thing. I think you can see like a how to on YouTube and TikTok. But it's uh, apparently uh, a very easy way to go about it. I think Kia has since 
patched some might wanna, updates. Might want to check those videos out in incognito mode just to, <laughs> just to be safe. That'll that'll protect you from the authorities. Think yeah. Thankfully, the 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 people. So my brother had a Kia. Uh, uh, he he knew going in. I'm not victim blaming, but you know he knew going in what these cars are. Uh, and someone uh, broke into the driver's side window, got in. They were doing something. It looks like they were trying to hotwire the car for some reason. Instead of doing whatever the YouTube clip shows, they're trying to hotwire a car that you can't hotwire anymore. And right. uh, they just caused a lot of damage. And I, I guess at some point they gave gave it up and left. And and it was just left at the parking area at his apartment complex where window broken and then there's some damage inside, but the car is intact and like he was able to get the window replaced and everything is fine. It's very annoying. But it's just very weird. I was like, oh, this this kid is uh, must be new. I'm assuming it's a kid who was doing this. Um, because If you're going to steal a car, why are you breaking the driver's side window? Like that's where you're going to have to sit that is when, true. Uh, when the thing <laughs> because happens. Because it's faster t- when you break the window – then you can get in the car. But then there's all the glasses yeah, just all break, right there. No, you, you don't worry about that. Break the rear window or a side or the, or the other side, and then get in get get in there and unlock things. That what is, are you doing? That, that, Equals fifty nine for sixty four on this tush push situation. Oh wow! But yeah, so already the game just started. How could that be? Total, Total. for the season. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine it. <laughs> it's been the whole game. It's in the second quarter. It's just they've just pushed Jalen Hurts in his tush down the field. There was the some time. talk at the at up seven nothing. The, the outset of this game, uh, Jalen Hurts might not be feeling well tonight, and he doesn't uh, feel well, but he still saw, gets pushed. I saw a Twitter joke out there in the in the world about how we'll find out how sick Jalen really is by uh, how willing his Eagles teammates are to line up behind him <laughs> and shove. Uh, so I guess he's feeling all right after all. Uh, we had a pretty good weekend. I don't know. We did Christmas stuff. It was very Christmassy. The kids uh, were f- briefly feeling healthy enough to go and spend the night at their grandmother's. So we wrapped a bunch of Christmas presents and uh, took the opportunity to have some drinks. Sort of a sad week around here for uh, various undisclosable reasons, or at least nothing to talk about on a show like this. So uh, in response to that, we folded a bunch of Christmas presents and Got drunk. That's not, in, that's not. I mean, you know, whatever. We would have done that if anyway. I were, if I were charting my uh, emotional path through the week, it includes somehow ending with getting drunk on Saturday night, which is not the most healthy response to uh, sad events, but it is a human one. Yeah, it's and, a response. Uh, here we are. Yeah. We had to wrap Christmas presents in any mood. Right. Sure. So, so we did that. Is it typically a week in advance? Is that how you guys do it? Well, typically, in the past, Bob and the kids would fuck off for a week, and I would get to do... I would get a moment of quiet solitude. What Bob gets every day, all day long, I would get one week. I would get one week in the evenings, after a long day at work, and it would be so... Great. I would get everything ready. I'll have you know the dog is here all day long, even when the kids are not. The kids are at school, but there's still this goddamn dog here, which I didn't want any okay. part of. And now Does the dog talk? Yells and barks a lot. She yells and barks. Mostly she doesn't fucking talk. And I would wrap the things. I would put every I would have it. I would make a mess and leave it. No one it's not bothering anyone. Right. And I would 
use as few dishes as possible. Like I hardly used any dishes. Like I would use the cutting board and one pan and that's it. And now Bob doesn't go away anymore uh-huh. for also sad reasons. But still. Oh, it's the, mostly because it's a pain in the ass. Uh, but No, it's because there's no party anymore. Yeah, there's less of a reason. There's to no one's there. beckoning you down to the south on yeah. Christmas weekend, whatever. Typically, I would get to do it all myself. Now, my husband, who I love, and my children, who I also love, don't go anywhere. So I have to work around it. I see. And she instead spends the entire month of December uh, baking Christmas treats, and I have to somehow avoid consuming an additional like 900 calories a day yeah but the house is full the entire month long right now it's full of fucking cake pops which are like there is a they're the crack cocaine six it's a it's the crack cocaine version of regular cake whereas normally you just have a cake and it's like all right now i'll i'll do the thing where you you grab a butter knife or or a knife out of the drawer and you you just cut a sliver off and you eat the sliver and you're like yeah, yeah. only i didn't really have a piece of cake i That's just had a sliver That's how much a cake pop it's is good. The cake pop is a it's like a severely condensed ball o cake it's very literally just smashed together yeah. cake and icing Right so it's not like just ha- you can't just go in there and just grab it it's you you, you pop the ball in your mouth as one does and like that's what she said and it's a it's like free basing a cake all at once and it's just it's not great and that's 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 week three of this out of the house week two of this was fortunately uh these weird italian style cookies which was week three i think that was week two that was week three week one was gingerbread cookies okay I don't, I don't think I even had a single one of those gingerbread cookies. I had a lot of them. Week two was brownies. Right. Week two. So week one, I escaped the fate because I don't even remember seeing those around. They I were guess. sitting on the counter. I don't know. Week two was brownies, which Lori goes the whole goddamn year without making brownies. And she makes a great brownie is the problem. They're and very so, special. They're not even really brownies. They're more like fudge. They're like cheesecake fudge. They're so and good. And it's, it's like, it's, look, I exercise all goddamn year long. I try to eat healthy. And then there's like, there's just 50 pounds of cheesecake fudge in the house for a week. It's like cheesecake fudge. Uh, which is also, it, it is, it's the same concept as the cake pop, which is like, it's this super condensed free-based version of the clients who just decide at the christmas time they're just like here's an extra hundred bucks just because you know we're rich like i i can't i want to say thank you to these people without without not taking their money as a gift so it's like here i here is a dense piece of sugar and butter oh that was week two was the cheesecake brownie week three were these weird like i grew up uh, like you'd They're go, Italian. you'd go to like uh, an Italian like somebody's bakery. house or or whatever, and they have like a tin of cookies out. It's always like, ah, I'm not actually, I don't want a cookie after all. Like if you're offering me a, a cookie from this Mine stupid, are so much better than Italian that. tin of cookies. Right. Like there's, they're weird and they're nutty and they're dry. It's like, no, nah, I don't want that. And Lori made some weird Italian cookies that were like cake cookies, and they looked very pretty. But they were not to my liking. They reminded they're almond, me, reminded almond me too and much apricot. of. They're great. Ita- they're Italian rainbow cookies. Disappointing, youthful escapades with Italian cookies. So but that was a, that than was okay. The ones in the tin. And then this week, it's these fucking cake pops, which, like I said, are akin to uh, street drug. 
and it's a problem. So it, uh, we're going to be fat going into Christmas. Well, you haven't given in too much, right? It builds character. Look at you, Bob. You have come out of it on the other it's side. It's not like there are so it's many. True. The number is good I on make, the scale. The number is still good. It's totally fine. But it's just. I make like 100 and then give away like 75. When did it you, increases uh, the stress level. It's like the thing with the uh, the hypochondriacs. I talked about this on the morning press the at some point. Hypochondriacs. Hypochondriacs. I'm. When I go back and listen to this tomorrow morning, it's going to be a long I there at the start of that. I'm certain of it. The hypochondriacs, uh, which you're not supposed to say hypochondriac anymore. It's a person who's been diagnosed with hypochondriasis, which is, is this a, the Howie Mandel thing. No, it's a thing. Does Howie Mandel have that or is he no, just a germ he, no, freak? No, he has OCD. Okay. Yeah. Well, the uh, hypochondriacs are constantly worried about contracting or actually already having uh, various physical maladies that will kill them, right? So they're always worried about it, and it leads to apparently, according to the study that I found last week, uh, early death. Uh, (laughs) The Swedes have figured out that the hypochondriacs are right to be concerned about dying early in a self, possibly uh, strictly in a self-fulfilling prophecy sort of way. It's definitely true, right? They are causing their own demise. Like, all of this negative thinking not getting you anywhere. Right. So they increase their stress level, and it makes them a less healthy person uh, across so all systems. So you should not worry so much about the cake pops. Across all systems except cancer, which is my favorite exception to the rule, which is no matter how how stressed you are and how much you're stressing yourself out, you cannot actually cause cancer to grow in your body or cause the cancer to get worse by worrying about it. Like cancer is just going to fucking cancer one way or another. So like even a hypochondriac can't make themselves sick via cancer, but basically every other natural cause of death increases uh, measurably if you are uh, worried about it. Uh, which is an interesting result. And also, uh, they're four and a half times more likely than the control group to commit suicide, which is listed in the study as a as an is unnatural that, cause of death. Are they excluding that from the average uh, age of death? Or are they, I mean, because that's going to bring it down some. The All suicides? Kill- yeah. Um, I don't remember. I, I know that it was like, like the, it, it takes five years off of your uh, average lifespan. So I don't know how exactly they figure that out. But it it, it takes you, say, if you're, if you're supposed to live to 75, you'll be dead at 70. Uh, and also, even if it's even the 70 sucks, like, I mean, the quality of life is just you're always just nagging yourself about like how bad things are. It's like, that's, yeah, this is what I'm saying about like, even though I don't give in too frequently to the uh, absurd bounty of treats uh, in our kitchen throughout the month it's of not December. It's an absurd bounty. It is a relatively absurd bounty. There's currently a Tupperware that is full of. Of cinnamon cookies dipped in white chocolate fudge. And, yeah, that, and Ritz I can take it to work is the thing. You complain, and then I'm like, would you like me to take it to work where there are 50 people who will each have one and it'll be fine? You're like, nah, fuck that. Yeah, because as Abe is uh, perhaps implying, I get off on not giving in as I see but the tin of cookies sitting there all day long. So I'm going to take them to work. All right. How long? Uh, I can I'm make curious, more. Lauren. How how long have you been doing this? The the giving the of treats? Uh, treats to I think this is year three. Okay. Or maybe I think maybe, it's longer than that. Maybe four. I think I this is the second or third year that I've done four weeks of them. This is the third year I've done four weeks of them. Okay. It used to just be like that 
just one week before Christmas, but the people give me the money right after Thanksgiving. So, and I'm in the best shape of my life. So maybe, maybe it's the, uh, yeah. it's the December treat run. That's yeah. actually, yeah. it's helping me. Yeah. In well, some perverse way. That's what it is. Hey, I, uh, made a mistake speaking of Christmas gifts last week and, uh, speak quietly here, but my daughter was, uh, before school one day, a couple of weeks ago, uh, she picked up a book about a puppy and she opens and starts reading either the back or maybe the first couple of pages. And this is before school. And she says, she says in a disappointed voice, all of the books about puppies are about boy puppies. I want a book about a girl puppy. Uh, and Representation I, matters. Yeah, I I immediately disabused her of the notion that somehow that mattered in any way as a <laughs> that as was a the, strategy. <laughs> Not as, important. That was his strategy. <laughs> That's parenting. This is a this is a parenting podcast. <laughs> I dare you to find a better parent uh, anywhere in the United States of America. Uh, <laughs> But uh, shortly thereafter, I uh, after racking my brain, and it only took me a second to realize it, uh, but like the most famous dog story in the American culture canon is Lassie, which right. is the story of a female dog. Less important now in today's uh, media environment, perhaps there's not been a lot of new Lassie content. I grew up watching Lassie reruns on, like, black and white Lassie TV reruns on television. I don't even remember what network that was on, but I remember them on, like, maybe Nick at Night or something. I don't know when, where oh, or when. it was when. on. It was just everywhere, whatever. probably, because it was cheap. But, like, Lassie, you know, come here, girl. Like, I knew right away Lassie, so I, and I'd never read she the book. She barks. Never read the book. Uh, I knew it was based on a book, so I get on Amazon and I order Lassie for my daughter. That way, for Christmas, she'll have a book about a girl dog. I have no idea if the book's any good. It was written like in the fucking 30s or probably something. Not. It's probably some sad depression era racist. shit. They don't uh, have full... a more recent version of this. They don't have like no. I don't know. Can you trust it though? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the with the tried and true classic that has been completely erased from the modern consciousness, probably for no good reason at all. Uh, <laughs> well, you'll find out. <laughs> I'm guessing. Probably racist. Probably super racist. Some outdated uh, thinking. I'll be so sad if it turns out Lassie was a racist. Like the dog was racist. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, that's not the point of the story. Although, uh, what a great dad, right? Finding the the girl dog book for my girl boss of a daughter was uh, your bad at uh, shopping. Was your poo pooing of uh, of her comment about a, a girl dog uh, a way to throw her off the scent of what you're gonna do, no. which is to buy? <laughs> no, that's just his strategy. natural way. <laughs> no, that was just me trying to make her into a better human being. Bob has been <laughs> sitting here <laughs> saying, "Why does it matter? Why?" I say as a white man in America, why does everyone act like it matters that there's any sort of diversity in literature? And so he can't have his daughter say, oh, I wish there were girl dogs. Oh, that's right. Like he can't go like, huh, interesting. I guess it kind of does matter. Absolutely not. Has He's right. This is a person, by the way, and I, first of all, I reject the possibility that she's only encountering 
male protagonists in her perusal of children's literature. And this is instead, once again, another example of confirmation bias on her part, where she happens to open up this book and see it's about a boy dog. Okay. And that just, that just reaffirms in her mind some pre-existing narrative in her head. Uh, it's probably not actually uh, in keeping with reality. The same as when I ask her to do a simple chore and she throws her hands into the air and uh, says with great exasperation that you never ask, ask me. you never ask Calvin to do anything. I always have to do everything, which is the most absurd complaint <laughs> I can possibly imagine given the reality of her life. Uh, anyway, are we done here talking about my parenting? I can go on to my... Real quick, uh, is yes. this a... Uh, do these books uh, lean into the sex of the dog? I always just thought they just focused on just the the kind of dog it is. Like no, the books around. about the dogs are all about sex. I don't okay. think they're about that at all. Also, kind of uh, also, there's a whole book and <laughs> Disney film, Lady and the Tramp. Lady is a girl dog. That's oh. the whole thing. The tramp, tramp is a boy dog. Is the boy dog, but he's the jerk. He's the tramp. Oh, there you go. Uh, anyway. Anyway, Bob's bad at shopping. Why is that bad at shopping? My my daughter's going to get a boring get on with your story book get from on like with your 1938 story. about a girl dog, and she's going to have okay. seen that actually the modern stories about boy dogs are better, and that she yeah. shouldn't have cared but so much the about the gender story. or sex of her dog protagonist. Because I know what you're going to talk about. Also, so. is it possible that they don't want to get into the realm of? Uh, the, the word bitch at all. Is Maybe. that why we lean away from stories about girl dogs and instead towards stories about boy dogs? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe that's Maybe you're right, yeah. Anyway, I get on Amazon. I order, or actually I don't order yet, but I place into my uh, Amazon shopping cart, because it's December. If I were to just buy something every time I thought of it during December, uh, we'd have Amazon packages coming, flying at us three different times a day for three straight weeks, right? Like You have to have a system or else you're really doing bad by the environment and by your UPS driver and your mailman, right? So I, I wait until the end of the week usually, and I say, okay, I've got these things in the Amazon cart. Let's go ahead and order those, make sure everything gets here before Christmas. Good to go. At some point, I accidentally ordered the Lassie book, and it didn't register in my mind that it had happened because it was like I had different uh, versions of it in my shopping cart there on Amazon because there was like there's an old binding of it, then there's the new paperback binding of it, and there's all sorts of like a like the school library binding or whatever. So I end up buying a copy, and then like four days later, I end up buying a copy again, and we only even realized this. When we are going through the big pile of Amazon packages on Saturday evening, when we're uh, going to wrap everything. So, Lori of is. note, I have a spreadsheet. Right. Lori had a spreadsheet uh, keeping track of the different gifts. I Who was is not. For what? Who is, what is for whom? From whom? Whether or not it's wrapped. Very organized. Uh, Lori's the Yale Business School mom in this relationship. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you needed to say that. It's obvious. And so it turns out I have in this stack of Amazon packages two copies of the Lassie book, uh, both of which, uh, going back to my my Amazon app, I double-checked. They were both like uh, $5.99, but one was a more uh, attractive printing of the book and one was a one more – Weird. One looks weird, okay. like it, it came out of a Soviet library or something. Like It just it doesn't look as nice. <laughs> well, it that looks the original? weirdly South American. Yeah. 
the point here being that I now have two $6 copies of Lassie and don't need that uh, or for any discernible reason. And I don't know what to do. And Lori is like, well, you return it. What are you talking about? And I'm like, I don't want to return. I hate returning things. But uh, ultimately, I decided, yes, this is one of those situations where I can't really conceive of even another person on the – another child on the planet who would be excited to get a last – What if Calvin was like in on it? He's like, oh, boy, that's a great book. I want they one both, too. <laughs> they don't both need their own copy. What sort of world of plenty do you think my children are growing up in? Uh, anyway, so I go to the Amazon app and I start processing the return and and it's like, why are you returning this? And I said, I've made a terrible mistake, and I'm sorry, because <laughs> it was it was like it gives you first it gives you a drop down list, yeah, and it's like choices, right? It's like twenty things, yeah. and it's and none of them are exactly right, but right. it's like I bought this by mistake is the one that was closest to. Oh, that's very much the right answer. The right answer. How would that not be the right answer? Because it wasn't actually true that I bought that one by mistake. You bought that by mistake. I bought the second one by mistake, but I wasn't returning the second one because I preferred the binding on the second one right, to the first one. You intended to buy one and you got two. Yeah. Right, right. So you it's are true. bad at shopping. I made a mistake, right? So I said I bought this by mistake. Um, and then in the, in the comments section, which I didn't intend to fill out, uh, but I tried to I tried to hit OK without filling anything into the explanation bar. And it's like, come on, give us give us a little something here. Right. And I was like, all right, as a man of letters, how can I uh, possibly turn down the Amazon comment <laughs> so box? So that's what Bob did on Saturday uh, night. I didn't I didn't write an essay, but I did write something like uh, like Job from Arrested Development. I made a terrible mistake, um, and I'm and I'm very sorry. And it was like, uh, what would you like to do? And I was like, I want to return it. Like, I just, I, I want to return it to you and get my money back into my Amazon account. And I click it, okay. And the Amazon thing reloads to the next page and it goes, great work. Congratulations. Uh, we're going to give you $6.41, which was the cost of the book. It back credited into your Amazon account. It should show up in the next 24 to 36 hours. And uh, don't worry about it. Just keep just keep the book. Uh, you, no one wants books. You don't have to return the book after all. This is the second time that this has happened to me in my Amazoning career. And I've only returned things maybe three times. Right. Uh, the first time that this happened was a few years ago. We ordered some. Uh, we didn't do anything. Well, you ordered the wrong size air filter. Oh, th- so this is, th- then, uh, this is actually three times that I'm d- thinking of then. Because another time I ordered an oscillating fan. Like one of those nice big tall fans that you stand up in the corner yeah. of the room and it just goes back and forth and it blows air. And I'd ordered three of them and only two of them came. And so I got on Amazon and I was complaining about it. And they're like, oh, well, our bad. We don't know what happened, but we'll send you another one. I was like, okay, great. And then three weeks later, which was a full two and a half weeks after the replacement third fan had come, uh, on the side of my porch, not even where the UPS guy usually leaves shit, just like on the side of the porch next to it, was an extremely beat up fan from Amazon, still in its box, but like had obviously been like run over a couple of times or just like left in the back of the truck or something for three weeks. Uh, so I had four fucking fans and no way of like alerting Amazon to the situation. Right. Yeah. So I just ended up plus one fan. Uh, but like that wasn't dishonest. That was just 
uh, bad logistics by the UPS people or something. But anyway, something else also, I ordered the wrong air filter one time, right? And I said, I, I just got the wrong air filter. And these, these weren't cheap. It was like, I want to say it was like $35, $35 or something. Oh, wow. Uh, like a $35 HEPA 4 air filter filtration system thing for one of these, oddly, another one of these little air filter fan things. Yeah, pre-COVID. It was to, you know what it was for? It was for the fucking cat box area where it would just stink up our whole goddamn house. I cleaned the box every day. And despite that fact, because Penny was so old and dying and just just urinating everywhere with no regard for the uh, litter box situation. Like she'd get within 15 feet of the litter box and just be like, yep, good enough. And just let her her go. (laughs) It was the worst. Uh, And... So I had these uh, these HEPA air filter things, right? And then one time I ordered the wrong one, and it happens. And I, I this is not a cheap thing. And I was like, I need to return this and, and, and exchange it for the correct size. And Amazon was just like, all right, cool. Uh, here's your $35, and your new one is on the way. And uh, just keep it. It's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's like, what are you talking about? Which- just keep it. It's fine. This is not an acceptable. Like, this is not the. This is not the thing that I wanted. I feel like I'm taking advantage of a situation that I otherwise uh, uh, don't care for, and I don't want to participate in. But this system is so fucked that, like, it is cheaper and better for Amazon to say, look. Trust us, the margins on the Lassie book are zero. <laughs> Except we have, we have written off any of the potential profits from that a long time ago. Do what you will with your bonus Lassie book. And, you know, chances are uh, you're going to spend that $6 with us again before the week is out anyway. So here's the $6 is probably their thinking. Uh, and that like the logistics and the, the cost to them of sending it back and restocking it and then selling it again just aren't worth it. And but to- the thing that's so stupid is last year when I ordered a souffle dish to Chris and Emily's house – and it arrived broken, they wanted that sent back. They were like, yeah, well, you can drop it off at Whole Foods or Kohl's. Like, it's broken. Why do you want that? I think it's because Amazon and the algorithms trust me, and you are not as trustworthy in that regard because you <laughs> you have taken advantage of the return system. I'm not system taking advantage of anything. I, 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 I'm really good at shopping. I think there is some... There's. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any inside information, but... Amazon is likely ha- – ha- they have some sort of credit score on their customers, and then huh. they weigh that with the price of the product. Oh, maybe it's because you have the credit card. There must be a way to trip the Amazon sensors to be yeah. like, all right, this guy is just – he's done this four times in the last two years. Yeah. There's obviously some bullshit shenanigans going on here, right. and we're going to need the product back. And you know what they're going to do with that product? They're going to uh, stick it in a big blue bag and sell it to a wholesale re- retailer who's then going to, like in some awful town uh, in Mississippi or something, is going to uh, sell it in bulk for like right. $15 or something. Right. Uh, there, was a, there was a piece on this. Where was it? Was it 60 Minutes? Or yeah, it was, it it was, was somewhere like on, on the news program. It was on our TV in our living room. There are these uh, these... It's like uh, like an empty strip mall, five thousand square feet or something, right? And it it like used to it's Spirit Halloween uh, two months out of the year, but the rest of the year it's empty. And so what they do is these uh, entrepreneurs they buy in bulk from Amazon and Walmart and Target uh, their returns that they buy in bulk these uh, giant crates or or truckloads of returns that the 
retailers have no interest in processing again and attempting to resell. And instead, they sell them to suckers who line up at like 8 o'clock in the morning after their, their overnight nursing shift or whatever is ended. Well, and are they, they suckers? Aren't they hard on their luck and they're trying to stretch a penny as much as they can? Man, these people are are real sickos. And if I'm gonna have to find the link because you watch the video and like, there, <laughs> some of these people. There was that one where she found the thing that she returned. Yeah, this one woman was talking about how she bought some. It was in the newspaper. You're right. It, it was, was in, in the newspaper. It was in the Times. I, I'm Fuck sure, you. Good. It'll make it easier to find the uh, to find the article then. But yeah, she was a real sicko who had ordered something on Amazon for $17 and realized she didn't need it. And so she returned it. And then... It's like a organizer. It was like a shelf organizer. Right. And like a week later, she goes to the to this outlet box store area and finds the same exact product, possibly her very product, for $10 and buys it again because it was such a great value. So she got this $17 piece of shit delivered to her house, realized she didn't need it, returned it, and then a week later bought it again $7 cheaper at the outlet store, uh, which is uh, truly psychotic behavior. Not not by design. This is just kind of happened, right? Like it's not. No, I don't think that she was masterminding okay. a way to save seven dollars <laughs> yeah. on the shelf organizer that but she I, doesn't actually want. I, you're probably right about the fact that you have the credit card that you. I don't think it's the credit card. It's just Amazon's had a profile, yeah. a customer profile of me going back to 2007 or but 2009. But do they know that I have perfect credit? That's right. Lori's been very proud of herself. She's achieved the elusive, basically perfect credit score. Good job. Not basically. Not basically. Uh, it's a. It's a. It's a very uh, inexact. I am in the one percent. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Meanwhile, yeah. I, who have not had an income in like a decade, <laughs> I, I don't even register anymore. You're good, you're good on Amazon, though. Uh, but so Amazon knows who I am. We're a good pair. But people uh, use Amazon in different ways. I know uh, one of my friends, um, he will buy multiple sizes and multiple colors of the same thing. Like with the, he's using the return policy deliberately, right? Like just, I, I, find that, I find that abhorrent. I find right? it, like, I'm gonna buy, I find yeah, it four, four morally pieces, and yeah. ecologically right. and like ethically completely unacceptable and i recognize that all of the incentives are pointing in the direction of your friend's behavior right. uh, who's definitely it's not, not you once again abe using the hypothetical individual to zappos uh, cast has dispersions said they want me doing this right and this, this is what i mean though so zappos is it's no cheaper or or it's it's no more expensive to order a pair of shoes on zappos than it is to go down to the local fucking shoe warehouse or whatever they don't have the shoes no this right I'm, this is what I'm saying. That the the all of the incentives are are pointing towards the behavior that Lori and your friend engage in, yes. which is it's just as cheap, if not cheaper, to do the shopping online than it is and to go. It's not just cheap to the local retail store. They have a larger selection. Yeah. Right, more variety. Uh, all the chances, upside. There's no downside except for the chances that you go issue. to the DSW warehouse or whatever. Like I don't right. even know what shoe stores are anymore because I just buy my shoes on the internet. But you go to the store, they don't have your size or they're all, they're all fucking ugly because a lot of sneakers or shoes are just fucking ugly. And, like, you just don't know what they're going to have there at the store. So you do your shopping online. And, yeah, you don't know. Maybe it's a half size too big, half a size too small. So you order three different pairs. And Zappos is like, yeah, fuck it. Do that. Try them on. See what works. And send the other two pairs back to us. It'll be totally fine. 
What I'm saying is that it's a bummer that that's the model right. because it's not good for the infrastructure, for the environment, for anything in the system that that is the way that it works. And that at, all the way down to the fucking Lassie book, right? Like it's it's on me for not trying to go to Barnes & Noble or the local independent bookstore and trying to find the Lassie book on the shelf there, maybe even a used copy. So I'm not uh, doing the bad thing by requiring that new copies of Lassie be reprinted next year when nobody in their right mind should still be buying that book even. But I didn't do that. I ordered it on Amazon. I had it delivered to my house. And then I, four days later, because of the way the modern world works and my brain doesn't, I did it again. And so I had to return the first one. And I, uh, I think that's bad. And that's all I'm saying here. And it's it's confirmed by the story in the Times that I read sitting on the couch last Sunday about these uh these vultures who go to these uh these stores and pick through giant bins of returned crap that you would think it would make more sense for the person who's buying that stuff to do a triage operation on and find the stuff that matters. And you know what? That is what they do. They go through the giant cart, and if there's like a brand-new 4K Blu-ray player there, they're not going to put that in the bin for the psychos to go picking through. They're going to put that on eBay, or they're going to resell it on Amazon as a third-party seller, right? So they're just doing Amazon's work for them, essentially. Amazon gets a little bit of return, and these people are able to earn a living this way. I just think it's it's bad. It just speaks to inefficiencies in the system. And I recognize that all of the solutions to it are market-based, and so that's in theory good. I just wish that the inefficiencies weren't there in the first place. Right. And and, and the inef- it's it's actually efficient in, in the way that they're trying to do it because like what they're what they're trying to achieve is, you know, in the olden days you would go to the store and try out the clothing or the shoes to get the right fit. And right. you can't do that if you order online. I mean, they still haven't figured out the the sizing. You know, this thing runs large. This thing l- l- runs the other way. And it's just like it's going to be trial and error. So they're like, okay, well, to fix that problem, uh, just buy a couple of them and then you can return one. Who cares what happens to the environment? Uh, but th- it solves that problem that people have. And then for all the other stuff that we don't need or uh, we can't resell, we'll just give it to the – you know, people who rummage through these things at, at these outlet uh, locations, and everybody's happy. Uh, so, it, you know, they, they kind of solve a lot of the problems that come up in these situations, except it creates other problems too. But they're not. I know it sounds like. That. It sounds like I'm talking down to these people who are picking through the the <laughs> Amazon returns. Like it. Doesn't sound uh, like you're talking to them. Uh, the, it Doesn't reminded sound me, like and I'm gonna I'm gonna re- talk to. I'm gonna reinforce uh, that tone uh, with my next statement, which is that it reminded me, and the reason that I confused it for a television uh, experience rather than the newspaper experience that it actually was, is that it reminded me of a few weeks ago now. There was a story either on – I think it was on CBS Sunday Morning, which I know that uh, you being like four months behind, you won't possibly have seen this. I've caught up. I'm only two months back. We're at the Israel War. Apparently, there's a little outbreak in Israel. You should stop. It gets gets real bad, man. Bad. (laughs) Stop. Switch. That's – you know when that happened? That's when I said, you know what? Only reading about football now. Right. So (laughs) I suggest that. Anyway, there was a piece, I think it was on CBS Sunday Morning, which is usually like all happy and, and good. So maybe maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe this was 60 Minutes. But there was a piece about some African country where all of our electronics go in and like 
all these like barefooted African teens are there sorting through our right. our old computer batteries and and cell phones and stuff. And it it ultimately tries to be uplifting because there's a guy there who's like started a business and he's trying to stop it from being quite as bad or something. Right. Maybe it's not a business. Maybe it's a nonprofit. It doesn't matter. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to the story. But like that was a wildly depressing piece of news to ingest just a few. Uh, weeks ago about how like literally just shiploads of our used electronics when we think we're dropping them off like in the nice neat little probably bright blue recycling bin at the best buy or the local electronics store it's like yeah we recycle and it just goes into a fucking shipping container which then gets dumped into a, a landfill in africa or india and then a bunch of poor people go through it trying to extract the rare earth metals from them and it's like it's real bad uh and watching the or, or seeing this article about these americans sort of doing the same thing but one step up the uh, trash ecological food chain. Yeah, uh, you know, like it's like right now, it's like I'm gonna get the crappy little four dollar Game Boy handheld device uh, out of this uh, uh, dollar bin at the at the box store. And then six months from now, some sad African boy is like banging on it with a hammer, trying to extract the lithium from it. Right. Uh, it's it's all just such a bummer. Uh, there's got to be a better way. Well, d- doing these uh, these uh, articles and uh, news magazine shows about it isn't doing the trick. I mean, like especially with fashion, like what do they call it? Fast fashion, where people are going through yep. so many cl- different clothes, and it's just just for the season. You know, it's not made to last. It's just like shame. This was a fun color for like two weeks, and now I'm going to throw this away and wear something. Well, that else. and. You wash it once and it doesn't fit anymore. Right. It's, yeah, because it's like not it's designed made for it to last. To yeah. be worn like twice. Right. Right. And so, like, I don't know if there's a way to to correct that, but like, it would have to be something along those lines, like to where it has something to do with China. Right. But also, it's like so cheap that you say, "Oh, at the price point, that, oh, I can get Why a couple of these." Why do you think it's cheap? Why do you think it's? Cheap? I mean, like, you go to, every time I see these advertisements. Well, yes. Yes. But, like, yes, I know, but what makes it cheap? I guess I mean the, the product is uh, pretty cheap. Uh, it's coming from China. That you know. Matt, there you go. Yeah, but like I mean, it's, you it's have to come China. up with some sort of weird like uh, you know ra- like uh, you know how they have like a uh, vice taxes for things that are not really good for you, like you know gambling and like drugs or whatever. Like maybe there should be some sort of thing to like. All right. Well, it's what I've been saying about the soda bottles for the last couple of years, or, or longer than that, and saying on the show for the last couple of years, the cost of the disposal of the product must be in. The cost of the thing itself, and you must find a way, whether it's some sort of bullshit carbon tax scheme, because it's ultimately what it would be, right? Like, there's no way of truly assigning a fixed cost to how, like, the recovery of that item. But, like, you go – if I were to go and, like – because I'm looking at uh, various eggnog selections down there at my my local grocer because it's uh, it's that time of year. By the way, I got a great eggnog this year. We we sprung for the – Gives me shit. Sprung for sp- baking cookies. Sprung for the five ninety nine quart instead of the three ninety nine so quart, and it is like oh no, we usually get the big one from Costco, which is pretty good. It's yeah, fine. It's which not fine. pretty good. It'll do. The good one is so good. But yeah, the super premium eggnog this year is just uh, we're never going back. The money, back. The, the extra. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. 
So go buy go we're buy rich. the more expensive. Do you know eggnog. we're rich now? <laughs> we must we turn be. The air, we turn the heat, the thermostat up to seventy two sometimes in the winter. Ooh, we're rich. <laughs> we're deep into short term eggnog futures here in this house. Uh, anyway, the. Uh, the eggnog uh, comes in a plastic container. It's but, like a pint. It's so small. But the bigger, the 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 more expensive one, even more expensive than my uh, five ninety nine a pint or quart or whatever it is, comes in a glass bottle, like a a, a much larger glass bottle for which you pay uh, a three dollar refundable bottle fee if you bring the bottle back. Uh, the next time you come to the store, right? So it's uh, Fill it with eggnog, please. It's it's an eight dollar <laughs> quart of eggnog that if you then bring the glass bottle back the next week, they give you your three dollars. So next back. week, I'm there every day with an empty eggnog jar, <laughs> please. Uh, you've got you got fucking hobos on the Why side of the road there. Heard. I don't know. I wonder what they the cut empty you off after a while. Bottles. All right, that's enough. <laughs> when they stop making it. Yeah. Anyway, it, it there must be a method sort of like that, right? So they, they, they charge you $3 for the glass bottle, but you get the $3 back if you return it to the store, which they can then presumably uh, uh, sanitize and reuse again right. moving forward. I hope that they're not uh, breaking the glass down and, and not reusing it. Oh, they're not. It. That Homestead Creamery? Yeah. No. That's like local-ish. Regardless, like that's sort of that should be the model for. I mean, it and it doesn't work if I have to. Since we're buying a new cell phone every eighteen months or two years, it's you're not going to convince people to spend five hundred dollars extra on their cell phone with the promise that they're. Or maybe you can. Maybe you can if you if you, just you promise. Have to stop dealing with China. If you promise to give us this cell phone back in two years and trade it in for a new one, Samsung, then maybe people are willing to fork over a few hundred dollars extra at the start, although I sort of doubt it. And then it just becomes a race to the bottom the way that cell phone prices are now anyway in terms of like dump your old contract and get a new one and we'll give you fucking four new phones for your whole stupid family. But this is what – so uh, this is what the – in that CBS – piece on e-waste, uh, the tragic costs of e-waste, and I just pulled it up. I meant to talk about this a few weeks ago when I first saw it, strictly because of what the Samsung asshole says, uh, which is better than what the Apple asshole said, which the Apple people were like, no, we don't want to talk to you. <laughs> Apple was just like, nope. Uh, whereas Samsung was willing to have a conversation about things, and here's what they said. Apple did not make someone available to talk with us for this story. But Samsung, one of the largest electronics manufacturers in the world, invited us to their store in Palo Alto, California. Where does the responsibility lie here? In, in Ghana, we hear it's the producer. I think every uh, party in the entire value chain has some responsibility. Mark, I'm going to stop it right there. Every party in the value chain has some responsibility, says the guy who works for the company that sells an enormous tonnage of electronic trash every single year that ends up in a pile in Ghana for barefooted teenagers to go traipsing about in, trying to extract rare earth metals from it. Uh, every party 
in the value chain. There's only one party in the value chain, you asshole. It's the multinational electronics company, Samsung Electronics, that is the party in the value chain. I'm already paying fucking $2,000 for this uh, Galaxy Z Flip, whatever the fuck, that nobody actually needs. That's the value, right? You're the person in the value chain. You figure it out. But isn't, uh, isn't he saying everyone is... Uh, uh involved i mean the customer is buying this you know they're driving up the demand and they're like hey we'll supply it it's not good for the economy but uh or the environment but it's good for my ah, yes the the drug dealer rationalization yes. Of, yes. of why exactly. it's okay to be a bad actor in the world <laughs> just stop doing the drugs there must be a better way and i don't know if it's the depo- the milk bottle deposit method or what if you can somehow figure out a way to actually charge for or or force these companies to charge to include the cost of disposal in the in the end cost of the thing i don't know where in the value chain you actually do extract uh the charge for disposal but the way it's currently going is certainly uh, no way to handle it there would have to be like a million different solutions depending on the situation like with the milk thing you could do that with something else you'd have to do something else uh but you'd have to sell it like like true cost, like you can't call it a tax, you can't call it a, a, a thing. It's gotta be like the true cost of this thing is actually more than what it shows, and so you have to pay more, and we'll use the money to offset the harm or whatever. But it sounds impossible. All right, Abe. It's nine forty already. Oh, good. I haven't even we haven't even started with the no, show I know. yet. I know. All right, uh, let's do real, real quick pop quiz hot shot. And I don't want you, I don't want you debating this in your mind. I don't want a lengthy uh, uh, stalling while you don't think, just answer. While Is you it... surreptitiously Google, uh, my hands are up. How dare you, Abe? Perhaps you'll recall during the pandemic years, right? And I consider the pandemic years. Apparently, uh, in some of these year-end stories, I'm finding out that the pandemic years have officially ended. That we are officially post-pandemic. And from what I understand, this particular news organization was basing this on the Biden administration's decision to end the emergency, whenever the hell it was that that happened. Pop was quiz, it May Bob, of Hodge. one of these years? Yeah, pop quiz, Bob, when did that happen? And I think I think you're right, Abe. I think it was in the spring of 2023 that the Biden administration finally decided not to uh, continue with the emergency situation. Although, to say that the pandemic is over is probably... I mean, it's effectively over. It's definitely over. over. What are you talking about? I mean, first of all, it's over two years ago, but like, it's definitely over now. Like, they don't have the, you know, I would go to my federal building and they would have the stupid, like, mask cut, you know, low, high, medium, and they stopped doing that. I mean, you're still supposed to quarantine for 10 or five or 10 days when Uh, you have this one specific thing. When that goes away, I will call it over, over. I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of masks. In the last week or two around town, people, people are, are sick. People are starting There's to get sick. Making... But that's not, it's not COVID right. necessarily. It's just people are sick and we've learned that masks actually work when right. you wear them. Yeah, that's encouraging to see people, if they are sick, wearing that, like, you know, situationally like that. Right. It makes that, sense. As I've said on the show before, my assumption is that if I see somebody with a mask on, my brain automatically says, uh, they've got COVID, or they're getting over or, COVID. I mean, or or something else. Yeah, or like some, I yeah, see yeah. a mask and I'm like, or they're like gonna do a thing and they really don't want to get yeah, sick. Yeah, that yeah, precautionary <laughs> kind of steps. Yeah, just, you know that 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 that's a good 
That's a good thought. Anyway, I was uh, perusing the news and saw a word pop up that I uh, that I hadn't thought about in a little while, which uh, is the genesis of this segment as a, as a general sort of rule, which is something that happened in the not-so-distant or perhaps distant past that was a big hubbub in the news and then went away. That's, oh. the, that's the, the ideal version of this game is something that sort of takes over the – sort of like uh, like Balloon Kid in Colorado oh, where yeah. it's like all anybody talked about for six weeks was fucking Balloon Kid and his shitty dad and then it just disappears. And it's like what does that tie into in the cultural moment? What When in the world did that happen? That is not the pop quiz hotshot right now okay. uh but i think balloon dad was like it was obama administration i want to say like 2013 I, but i, I could be completely be wrong about that it could literally be the last 20 years it could have been 05 it could have been right. 15 balloon dad that was one the one where the kid is like oh you told me to lie or something like he ratted yeah, the little man 2014 out. is my guess 10 years later is this abc news headline and this was published in 2019. So Balloon Boy was wow. So I was off by uh, by four years. But uh, the correct presidential administration, so I yeah. give myself uh, half points. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> getting back to today's quiz, pop quiz, hot shot. Abe, when did monkeypox become a conversation in the news in the last few years? Like month and year? August 2022. Not bad. Lori, do you have a guess? I, I, I think it was exactly then. It was May of 2022. Oh. That was, uh, I did like your quick fire response, and I appreciate that. I'm not sure that you could have talked yourself into something besides August of 22, because I have I had no way of, of placing that event in time in my head. I wasn't surprised to find out that it was May of 22. That checks out to me. Uh, but we, I remember driving back from your mom's beach house, listening to Dan Savage, and there was a question about monkeypox. Plausible. All right, moving along. That was a real quick pop quiz. Hotshot, remember monkeypox. Abe, I wanted to ask a... a this is probably uh, better suited to sitting around uh, a long night a sad, depressing conversation about the world. But instead, we'll do it in like 15 minutes here on the sure podcast. Fun, fun, fun. Taking the and over. The reason, the reason that I, I say that it is, is more conducive to a, a longer conversation is because I think there's a stupid way to ask the question, which is the short way to ask the question, question, which is what I'm going to do now. Whereas I think there's a smarter way to have the conversation that would require a much lengthier sort of rant about the way of the world. But I bet we won't get there. No, definitely. I don't do that. You are a notorious status quo enjoyer, right? I think that's safe if to the say. The status you are... quo is great. I mean, this is uh, Walking Dead. No, I'm against this status quo. All these stupid fucking assholes trying to kill me. Right. Uh, <laughs> but also, as a general rule, uh, not, so a revolution, not a revolutionary type. Things are pretty good is yeah. the general uh, uh, state of things. Don't rock the boat, in, I always say. Right. For example, you put a piece of wall art on your wall after a decade of there being nothing and just leave it there. It doesn't matter if it's good or not because yeah. that's where the wall art now resides. By the way, the wall art is there so people can stop accusing me of being a serial killer. I, I, I don't want this. <laughs> I just can't have a bare wall because apparently that's indicative of something. It's the killing that makes a serial killer, not 
the shitty drab apartment. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> Uh, anyway, you are a notorious status quo enjoyer, and I won't have you uh, insisting otherwise. And I've seen in the last couple of weeks, we've seen increasing calls for, and really this has been going on since October 7th, but I would say that in the last couple of weeks, there have been an increasing amount of volume and number of calls for Israel to stop doing what it is they're doing in Gaza and and finish it up, wrap it up, boys. It's getting ugly over there, and it's got to be a better way. You're, it's too indiscriminate. It's bad. Uh, you sort of hear uh, mixed messages coming out of the Biden White House, which I interpret as sort of triangulation by the people in the Biden White House who have absolutely no interest in telling Israel to stop what they're doing uh, but need to service uh, their left flank and keep them happy. So Biden might say something or somebody else in the administration might say something like, uh, like they sent Lloyd Austin uh, over there this week to Israel to, and the, the message that we're being told, the reason that he's going is that they need to uh, wrap shit up or, or do a better job of, uh, of targeting and not being so indiscriminate with their bombings. And who knows what the actual message is over there, right? Like, hey, it's, right. that's not the message. Um, but my my impression is that Biden has been about as staunchly behind uh, Israel through this as Israel could have possibly hoped for from basically any American president. Right. Uh, and that, that is despite the occasional sort of thing that he says to donors or, or behind closed doors about how it's not great. I think basically Israel couldn't ask anything more of Biden than, he, than, than he's given them at this point. That said, there has been there have been increasing calls for Israel to stop. Right at the at first, it was like ceasefire now, ceasefire now, whatever. That was silly, and that sort of went away. But now the, it feels like there is increasing international pressure for Israel to knock it off. Yeah, the European and, countries are shifting in that direction, right? Right, and it's predictable, right? Like it's the sort of thing that is entirely predictable, especially when you have such an asymmetrical power imbalance, right? And that like, whatever else is going on here, we must acknowledge that Israel has all of the power in the situation relative to uh, the people that they're attacking. That's the nature of the threat that Hamas presents, even when things are normal for Hamas, right? And now even even more so, where uh, they're sort of untouchable, apparently. A lot of their leaders are in fucking Lebanon or, or in Qatar or whatever the fuck, and they're not actually there to be bombed, to be, to be ratted out. Uh, and it's just the G.I. Joe of Hamas who are down there on the ground right. uh, getting fucked to say nothing of all of the all of the innocents uh, who are in the way, essentially. And I think even when I start hearing from Americans and from other – and from the, the United Nations in particular, I think, is the one that, that really sets me off because the UN and the international community writ large – and uh, to be fair, Israel and the United States, we've known the fucking score here since 2005, right? Israel pulled out of Gaza in 2005. Shortly thereafter, there were elections in the fall, I think, of 2006 is when those elections happened. I might have this slightly screwed up, but uh, Hamas is elected uh, with a plurality of the vote in, in 2006. They end up officially taking over, I believe, in relatively early 2007, 
Again, forgive me if that's wrong, it doesn't matter. But we've known the score here for a very long time. Hamas was there, and their official position is that Israel ought not exist. Uh, And the international community and Israel and the United States did nothing but accept the relatively quiet status quo for, what is that, 18 years, uh, 15 years, whatever it is. There was a sort of detente that was acceptable uh, that Israel and the Netanyahu government in particular was happy to maintain because having Hamas there as a as a sort of useful foil, where these are uh, extremists who don't believe Israel has any right to exist, but if we occasionally go in there and cut the grass, as the expression was, then the worst of their violent tendencies won't be visited upon uh, Israelis, and we will reap the benefit of of being opposed to, or in, or at least standing as an oppositional force to Hamas. And uh, and then uh, part of what happens there is uh, the the right wing elements of the uh, Israeli public uh, uh, grow stronger, and they decide that they're going to push settlements further and further out on the other side of the country, in the West Bank, and making a, an untenable situation over there. And that's in part because of the detente that is uh, effectively in place in the uh, Gaza Strip, that there's not a lot of action going on over here. So they feel that they can devote more resources to what are are much more widely considered completely unacceptable settlements in the West Bank uh, in terms of displacing people and in terms of the violence that is visited upon uh, otherwise innocent individuals in that area. Uh, Completely unacceptable. Uh, but it, it freed them up to do that sort of thing in the intervening years. The The point here is that there was a status quo that was in place in Gaza for a very long time that was perfectly acceptable to the Israeli government and ultimately uh, must be seen as having been perfectly acceptable to the assholes at the United Nations as well because nothing was done. We fundamentally knew this entire time that something like October 7th was not was was something that they wanted to do. Uh, they they wanted to uh, like Israel's existence is anathema to Hamas in the same way that Hamas's existence, in theory, is anathema to uh, the Israeli government. But they weren't doing anything about it, right? And so we existed in this sort of status quo, and now all of a sudden the status quo breaks down because the most inevitable thing, the most obvious thing that was always going to happen finally happened, which is that uh, in, the, in the, the Cheney Doctrine way of understanding the world, they only need to be right once, 1% of the time. We need to be right 99% or 100% of the time. They only need to be successful in their violent terrorist attack one time. And, and the whole apple cart gets turned over. Everything goes to fucking shit, and everything that we're seeing in terms of the destruction in Gaza, the, 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 the innocent loss of life, all of the terrible things, post-October 7th, like setting aside the atrocity that is October 7th, and it's, it's hard to do, uh, do it if you can, because to actually put your face in and see what took place on October 7th is an exercise in dishumanity, right? It's, it's a, a thoroughly punishing thing to do. So by all means, put it aside. But uh, I didn't want to have a big, long intro, but here we are, me doing the thing that Lori knew I was going to do. Uh, we accepted the status quo in a way in Israel and uh, the West, or in Israel and the Gaza Strip over the course of the last 15 years, because we thought 
if we try to actually fix anything, it's all going to be fucked, and it's only going to get, like, whatever's happening there, it's acceptable. Uh, it became a thing that was acceptable, both for the Israelis and Hamas, and also, to some extent, the international community. Sure. Were there protest movements? Did the, did the boycott, divest, whatever the third thing is, thing spring up in American politics and in European politics? Yeah, to is some extent. Sanction? What is that third? Yeah, sanction. That's the one. It's BDS. Boycott, divest, sanction movement. That was a thing in like the, I don't know, 16, 17, something like that. There were sort of anti-Israel movements uh, in Britain to some extent uh, over the course of that same time period. Were they the trying point- to model it after like apartheid South Africa? Kind of like were they going for something like that to isolate Israel? Right. And let's not even get diverted into this whether or not Israel is an apartheid state or whatever conversation that is – if if it were the case – again, we don't even have to be diverted. If it were the case that Israel were this awful apartheid state, we accept it as an international community, as the as anybody with any power in the situation to do anything about it. We accepted that state, and the reaction to it uh, uh, not being acceptable was so minimal as to be completely uh, shunted aside and, and seen as an extremist viewpoint uh, when it was given voice to by the BDS movement, for example. But uh, – the point here is that as a as a status quo enjoyer, as as an enthusiast of the status quo, was it a mistake for the world, essentially, to whatever extent that we did, to accept the status quo if the result was going to be this? And and further, I don't want the response to be yes, but Israel didn't have to react this way, right? Because uh, as as a status quo enjoyer, status quo enjoyers must react to the world as it is, not to the world as they want it to be. And if you're going to do an October 7th, no matter where you want to lay the causal uh, blame game for October 7th, uh, my preference is with the fucking terrorist monsters who actually did the violence, who chose to wake up one day and go across the border and start uh, slaughtering families as they they slept in their beds. That's where I place the blame. If you want to be uh, smarter than me, by all means, uh, go ahead and place the blame somewhere else. But the world as it is, is that Israel has reacted in the way that they have. It's causing a completely awful humanitarian situation there in Gaza. And we don't know what the what this is going to look like three months from now. But what we do know is that Israel has said it is not acceptable for Hamas to be a uh, functional governing authority in that region any longer. And we're going to eliminate them. Why did it take October 7th and now all of this awful violence to achieve this when we should have recognized that the status quo was completely unacceptable in 2009? All right. So – a couple of thoughts. Uh, so my understanding, and this could change once more information comes to light, but my understanding was that the status quo changed because there was movement by Saudi Arabia to make a deal with Israel, right? Basically, it's like there were – I mean the, the status quo in, for Palestinians probably was not uh, acceptable, but they, they just kind of were living in that environment because they had no other choice. But like the what, – what changed – was that all of these Arab countries were starting to open up to Israel, right? And so basically it's like— So the, from, the, from the Hamas-Iranian perspective, right. and uh, so, you're saying that was the status quo change Right, that, that was acceptable. the status quo change, and, and, and the October 7th attack was an effort to derail that. And, and so like because the money is coming from Iran, Iran and Israel are not uh, on the same page, to put it lightly. And so like through that lens, like it's, it's 
all the bad things are happening to the Palestinians, but it's not about them. They're just kind of like a piece on the, the board that others are moving around to their benefit, but also to the Palestinians' detriment. Because, I mean, as it stands now, Palestine's kind of like in a death spiral, right? Like, I mean, you, you're all of this negative stuff that's happening to Gaza, uh, and still there's no, like, uh, there's no avenue to say, okay, look, this is not working. This hasn't been working for all these years. It doesn't matter whose fault, who's right or who's wrong. Let's pursue the reality like hey you exist we exist we want to uh, do our own thing and you can do your own thing enough with this because we haven't gained an inch through this course right i mean there, there hasn't been one inch gained by the palestinian people pursuing this course of action that has benefited people in qatar and people in iran right like so like what is the advantage for palestinian people to continue no matter how right they may think like oh, this was our land or your land or what? That to me is like almost a moot point because the realities of the conditions are those two people exist. You know, there are Israelis there, there are Palestinians there. Why not just do something else, right? Maybe it's not in their uh, control to do something else, but like every time you see any sort of polling, and I know it's kind of hard to do polling in those pl- in places where you have a terrorist organization running things, but like the, the sentiment does seem to be like we've been wronged, and next opportunity we get to wrong you will wrong you, and this back and forth will just continue forever, and the ratio of dead will always be lopsided. Like I mean, yeah, you may once in a blue moon get an October seventh, but the reaction will be twentyfold the other way, right? And it'll right. You, and what you're describing is the status quo since 2005, right? right? You're you're describing the state of the world as it's been for the last 20 years right. ish. So then, what was the what was the failure of imagination on the part of the international community to actually get anything done? Is it just that? Is it just that the Relevant international organizations are so completely powerless to actually do anything that that like and 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 when they complain about Israel doing things disproportionately now, whatever the fuck that is supposed to mean, uh, that that Israel must stop this humanitarian catastrophe that it's per- perpetrating on the Palestinian people. Which yeah, I agree. Like ah, I sort of agree. Right, this is an awful thing that's happening. But when I hear the United Nations Secretary General uh, talk in these sorts of terms about how Israel is doing a, a completely unacceptable act that must be stopped right now, like where were you? Since 2005, since 2006, seven, when Hamas took over and and became the uh, a completely unacceptable governing authority in the region, who uh, was not at any point uh, capable of operating in good faith in terms of coming to some sort of negotiated agreement uh, right. on the long run. But I mean, right? isn't this like, just a recurring thing? People always appeal to the most responsible party, right? Like, they're not gonna. You can't really argue any sense to like Hamas, right? So like the only entity is like this democratically elected government and you you have relationships with and you can talk to and there are all of these mechanisms you can use to kind of influence them. There's only one side where you can do that. You can't, I mean, what, what can you do on the other side, right? So like all of the energy is focused on trying to change Israel's behavior because they can't change then Hamas's give them behavior. a give them a coherent negotiating partner right give them right. someone to deal with who actually can uh, uh, change things change the reality of the situation on the ground but we've been content to have this sort of uh, uh, situation at loggerheads since 2005 and it's what it's what like 
Like, I recognize that the UN has probably been completely uh, incapable of actually solving this problem. It's a very difficult problem to solve. But there's something about them talking, like, and, and the countries that speak up now to say that this is completely unacceptable misses the point that it's been completely unacceptable for a very long time, and this is just a result of that completely unacceptable situation. Right. I don't know. It's just it's a it's a misplaced fury on my part because there's not actually anything that exists that could have uh, come in and solved the problem at any point in the last 20 years. I recognize that. But but there's some there's there's a level of sanctimony to people coming in and saying, Israel, you must stop this now. You're killing all of these people. This is completely unacceptable. Well, it's been unacceptable for an extremely long time, right. and this but, is but, just this is this is the fruit of that ill of that non labor, right? Like it's just like to some extent, it's the obvious result of what was going to happen if there was not going to be a governing authority in Palestine to have a rational conversation with. It, it would be weird if no one was saying anything, though, right? Like if everybody was like, "Okay, have at it," like wouldn't that be weird? Like obviously, there's going to be people who say this is fucked up, and also the one problem that Israel's kind of going to run into if they haven't already is that there's no like, I mean, there are some military objectives you can achieve, but I mean, all of the decision making people are outside of Gaza. Like the the people that are running Hamas are not there, at least the right. the, the top echelon of, of the types. All the money is coming from the other countries in the neighboring countries, right? So like all of those elements are going to exist past this this uh, moment, right? So like you're, you're you're committing all of these acts militarily, killing a lot of people in the way, but then the achievement is going to be what? Like it's not going to be that difficult for them to reconstitute themselves. Because they're all outside of the area, right? So it's like, how how much how, how how far back will Hamas be set back? I mean, they change their name; they're gonna call themselves something else, and right. the same moneyed interests are gonna be behind those efforts. Like, it seems like in like ten years, we may be back to square one, right? So then, what is 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 it pure imagination? And I think that it almost certainly is. Uh, but we talked about when this was all kicking off, like, I don't know what the right thing for Israel to do is. Uh, I just know that it's going to be awful, right? And it has been. It's been It's been awful. But also, it's completely unimaginable to me that they're not going to do the awful thing, right? Like, that, that this is going, like, it, it, it's sort of impossible to imagine that this doesn't lead to the thing that it's led to over the course of the last couple of months, right? That was our, that was my position right after this happened. And I'm not saying I'm some sort of Svengali here. I think it was that was sort of obvious. But was there a way to on October 8th to start to build an, an international coalition of the willing uh, to to do the work of of George H W Bush and then his son George W Bush in putting together a, an international response to this that had the backing of the entire world would. Could Israel have mustered that outside of the United States, England, and France, right? Those are, those are the only ones that come to mind off the top of my head. But, like, would there have been an appetite in the world for a response to October 7th that was led by Israel but that was meaningfully supported by the rest of the world? Could they have gathered at the United Nations 
I mean, obviously, Russia would have vetoed it. China would have vetoed it. Whatever the like, whatever mechanisms are in place uh, for speed bumps to be put in by uh, the bad actors in the world uh, would have been taken advantage of by those bad actors. There's no doubt about that. But it, would there have been a way to build an international coalition around the idea that Israel is going to lead this, but uh, the international community, the the undersigned here, are all committed to the complete destruction and removal of Hamas as a governing authority in the region uh, and for it to be replaced with uh, not necessarily an Israel-led government, but uh, an occupying third party, uh, you might even use the word colonial uh, government, some sort of some sort of imperial government over the region uh, for a 10-year period until uh, we can figure out what the hell is going on here, right? Like, was that a path that was open to them that, that they immediately foreclosed on because of the bloodlust of the Israeli people, uh, to put it in as unpleasant terms as possible, but because of the sense of vengeance, that vengeance was necessary and correct to do in the immediate aftermath of that. Right, so the answer is absolutely, Absolutely not. I mean, there was never an opportunity for that. I mean, I think like almost immediately there were – that's what you get for whatever and uh, like don't, collective punishment is wrong, anticipating a reaction. Don't do anything on the other side because whatever, right? I mean like I don't think there was, there was an, a window like maybe you know like after 9-11 uh, or other moments where there was a lot of support for – the injured party, the country that was uh, attacked, uh, that wasn't the case even in the immediate aftermath of, uh, of this. And also, like, there is a, uh, a saving face kind of thing, like, on Israel's part because they were caught flat-footed. I mean, it's a recurring issue where maybe down the road they'll, they'll do a fuller assessment, but, like, how this came to be, how long it took for the military to respond, like, a lot of damage was done right. because Net, Netanyahu and anybody else in a position of authority there is toast right, right? and the, on the long term I mean it, it won't be right away but his political prospects moving forward are done I think what you're saying is correct Israel was alone from the start with the exception of the 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 military and and material support that the United States was going to offer in terms of money and supplies which is not nothing uh, if you're going to have support from one country <laughs> right right it's good to, that it's America but Israel was alone in this response, I think, because of the thing that I'm I, that of the way that I framed the conversation to begin with, which is that Israel has been left alone to deal with this situation this entire time, right? Israel is alone now, post ten seven, because they've been alone since two thousand five, since they pulled out of right. the Gaza Strip all of those years ago. This has always been Israel's responsibility, and 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 uh, they've been left to shoulder a disproportionate amount of the blame because this this is not something that we expect any other country to take on in terms of uh, a level of abuse without retaliation, right? Right. Uh, that that and, and I and I, I it, it's what. It's what fills me with such rage when I see the sanctimony of these countries saying uh, – or these other leaders. Does, and this isn't even like the idiot college kids who 50 percent of 18 to 24-year-olds think that Israel is an apartheid state that is, uh, is uh, some, some sort of colonizer imperialist state uh, or whatever that poll said that came out this week. Uh, I'm talking about the actual uh, uh, leaders who should know better. Uh, who who bear responsibility here for allowing the world to go on as it's gone on for the last twenty years, knowing what was underneath it all? Right. I mean, it is a um, 
an impossible situation. Every time an idea gets floated where an international group, you know, like regional powers would come in and, and administer some sort of thing in Gaza, they always say no, like, oh, we're not going to take on this responsibility. Egypt wants no part of it. All of the other uh, Arab countries don't want any part of it either. Like, it's just like, this is not our problem. Like, we're not going to take on this impossible problem because there is still no agreed upon path forward. Like, there's no, like, I mean, what, what little talk there was about a two-state solution, you hardly hear that now. Now it's just mostly, like, who's more at fault or they're more bad than they It's just like this back and forth where nothing will ever come of other than just more mayhem and destruction. But, like, no one is actually wanting to take on this responsibility. Maybe they need to do, like, a, like a, a raffle or something. Oh, shit. Sucks for you, Brazil, but you're it. Like, or just some random country has to come in and, and help out. I probably wouldn't go with Brazil, but no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, it'll be a party. Maybe we get the... My idea when I was Brazil doesn't make the cut for the top 20 most stable really governments, high. do they? I just throw them everybody some money and a, do it. Get them hot, hot box, hot box Israel, give them Frisbees. Take away everything but Frisbees. No, you can... New Mexico, I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. It is now 1015. All right. Uh, on this exact same token, I'm no, going to play. there's no time for another token. How dare there's you? There's time for the billboard thing and then to get the kids to bed. Real quick. Uh, it, no, it's never quick. Uh, it's going to be so quick. <laughs> exact same token. Uh, the immigration question here in the United States is an ongoing clusterfuck that every single relevant authority bears the responsibility for over the last 20 years or wherever you want to stick it on the timeline. It's it's real bad. And I want to play a quick clip from the start of Meet the Press this weekend. Uh, first of all, no larger conversation necessary, but Kristen Welker sucks at what this job. What is your problem with Kristen Welker? You know, every time you keep but on... He, Abe, he said no larger conversation necessary. <laughs> I could go through in the same way that uh, there was that article in the Times a uh, few he weeks said ago. no larger conversation was necessary. That was incredibly disingenuous on uh, a whole raft of uh, uh, gender ideology and trans questions. Right. It requires uh, a point-by-point, sentence-by-sentence rebuttal to it. Uh, uh, of a, of the sort that you take a eight thousand word article in the New York Times and your response to it has to be like sixty thousand words. Right. I could go through uh, interview question by interview question explaining what's wrong with Kristen Welker. I won't do that. Instead, I'll just say if it is not apparent to you that Kristen Welker is worse at this than almost anyone else uh, at this level of prominence, I think you're not watching the same feed that I am. Apparently, she's mostly fine. On Saturday, the White House met with leaders of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus who expressed concerns Democrats are poised to cave to Senate Republicans. I want to speak quickly to the Democrats in the Senate and others who are considering supporting this proposal. If you do so, you will be surrendering to right-wing racism. And more than that, you will be enabling it. Senate Democrats and the White House must not agree to these extreme demands. It's a sign of how far the issue of border security has shifted to the right and how politically fraught it's become for a president who on his first day in office proposed a bill overhauling the U.S. immigration system with a path to citizenship. All right, the start of that clip was uh, Joaquin Castro and then Pramila Jayapal and then uh, back to Ms. Welker there. 
First of all, on Welker, it does not show how far this conversation has shifted to the right. You idiot. That's not that that is a complete non sequitur to the question at hand. If Joaquin Castro and Pramila Jayapal are going down to the border and threatening mainstream Democrats with saying you're just as racist as Republicans are if you do any sort of border security deal in order to get the Ukraine funding passed. That doesn't mean that the conversation has shifted to the right. It means this lunatic, uh, Joaquin Castro, is unwilling to have any rational conversation about the border issue because anything that gives in to so-called Republican demands is just racism. I don't know what that has to do with shifting the conversation to the right. It seems to me it's Joaquin Castro throwing an anchor down as far left as you can possibly imagine on the issue and saying this is where this conversation is going to be had. So I don't know what Kristen is talking about there. But David Frum, he, he wrote a big long piece in The Atlantic in 2019, and it, it was uh, if moderates or or normies or whatever don't enforce the border then fascists will was the thesis of the piece and uh, uh the piece is problematic i think in in ways that are obvious if you want to read the whole thing uh you're welcome to it but the the thesis sort of holds up for me especially now uh some four years later which and it's and it's an obvious thing right if you are unwilling to solve a problem that we if you're not even willing to acknowledge, and that was the thing in 2019, people weren't even willing to acknowledge that there was a problem in the first place because the fact that Donald Trump and other asshole Republicans were the ones who had identified the problem, it meant that any attempt to solve the problem was just giving in in the Joaquin Castro formulation to right-wing racism and extremism, which is just ridiculous, right? And it's only your your unwillingness to actually even approach solving the problem has resulted in Donald Trump now going before uh, 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 rally audiences this weekend talking about how immigrants are poisoning the blood of our country and how he's going to be a dictator on day one and deport millions and millions of illegal immigrants from the country. Uh, And that's the result that you're going to get if you don't actually solve the problem. Uh, it makes sense to me, and they, they, they go on to talk to Lindsey Graham here uh, in, in Meet the Press, and he doesn't quite get there, but like it's funny when Lindsey is not being a Trump shithead, you can sort of see the shape of someone who's a rational politician who you sort of enjoyed uh, having around at some point over the last 20 years. Uh, but any time, of course, uh, Trump the Trump question is involved, he becomes a sniveling coward yeah. again. But on the immigration thing, it's not just the Lindsey Grahams of the world. It took me 10 seconds to find video of Eric Adams talking about how the influx of illegal immigrants in New York City is going to destroy New York City, right? That's a that's a completely mainstream Democrat. Kathy Hochul said the Biden administration has to help us. We're getting destroyed by illegal immigration. There was a letter sent by uh, Democratic mayors and governors throughout the country, mayors of Chicago, uh, Massachusetts Governor Maura Healey, a a number of others. I don't have—I had it pulled up, and then it went away. Of course it did. 
Anyway, the point is that there are Democratic leaders all over the country who are begging for the Biden administration to do something about the ongoing uh, crisis at the border, which it's, we're not talking about the same fucking bullshit with the, the caravan uh, in 2018 or whatever, right? right? We're talking about a legitimate problem that has to be solved by grownups who write laws and then enforce them. And instead, we've got Joaquin Castro saying, this is just a question of not caving to racists on the Republican side. And you've got Donald Trump, on the other hand, uh, playing the race, the racist asshole absolutely to the maximum because he cannot possibly pay a price for it because of the way uh, the, the current political situation is, right? And it's, it's fucking disgusting to listen to him talk about how immigrants are poisoning the blood of our country. But that is the result of, in the same, like, it's an acceptance of the status quo uh, since uh, Marco Rubio had Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity turn on him way back in 2009 or whenever that happened, 2010, when there was an attempt to get something done on immigration that uh, utterly failed because uh, uh, shitheads on the conservative side of things said any caving to Obama right. is a caving to socialism right. or something like that. I don't remember the details, but nothing was going to get done from that point on. And we've known that this – the inevitability of the last two years – years of the migrant crisis was only going to get worse, right? We know all of the factors that, that lead to it, and now uh, a failure to have done anything to just accept the status quo for the last generation now results in this, and you're going to elect Donald fucking Trump again if you're not goddamn careful, right? right. Because Donald Trump goes out there and starts screaming about uh, the, the, the way that our blood is being poisoned by immigrants, and the crowd cheers, and uh, what did Joe Biden do this weekend? Uh, a truck ran into his SUV or something in Delaware, and the photo that goes around is of a obviously decrepit 90-year-old man <laughs> with his jaw halfway down his chest, right? Like, those are the two people who are going to be up uh, for the presidency next year, and nobody is willing to do anything to actually fight against that inevitability, and it makes me crazy. So, you, you know, that, that I think it was 2013, yeah, was well, it the Gang of Eight? There was, like, this bill, this compromised immigration, comprehensive immigration reform bill that was making the rounds and it had a chance to pass and then there was all this pressure campaign from the conservative side to undo it right and and since then it's basically been a dead issue um and i think it's basically like an issue just to campaign on right like i think conservatives are mostly like unless they we, we get some concession to where it's exactly what we want right like we're not going to compromise in any sense. Like, well, we'll get a little bit, they get a little bit, and we'll meet in the middle. Like, anything resembling a compromise is dead on arrival because of the environment that we're in, right? So it's just a thing that's going to be constantly pointed to because, like, if you— Right, which in the from formulation leads to this exact conversation now, right? Which is that we are—Donald Trump is just doing a fascism. Right. Like, he's just announced— outright uh if the if they won't enforce the border then i the fascist will proudly right like now he's now he's fucking happy to do even it even though he didn't and do like, it when he had a chance but yeah that is the argument he's making but what i'm saying is like maybe that uh, castro guy is getting to that point basically it's like if you're just kind of giving up the farm just to get money for ukraine and israel that you're doing it on their terms right there's no like Let's meet in the middle. Let's do something where there is additional funding for the border and there's some sort of path to citizenship, some sort of 
regular order that everyone can get something out of, like a position where you're meeting each other as equals instead of like the Ukraine funding is so important that fuck the immigrants for now, we'll give you what you want. Just give us the money for that. Like if, if it's presented that way, then that's why he's making that kind of argument. But the problem is this is a great issue for Republicans to, to campaign on, but as soon as they do something to pass and then they notice there are still immigrants trickling in because that's going to happen no matter what policy you come up with, then people are going to say, well, wait a minute, this was supposed to be the grand bargain and, and we still have this problem. And somebody even further right will come and say, oh, these people are weak and I'll do something. And then you go, get back to the fact. Sure, that's track. because this is politics and this is the real world. And there are no fucking actual complete solutions to everything, right? Or to anything. There's right, no such I mean, right thing now, as a border deal that actually thing, right? solves the problem. Right. I know, but What's like, that? what are the options available to a the Democratic group, right? to capitulate to whatever the other side wants because anything short of that is going to be a dead on arrival kind of thing, right? I mean, there's no realistic chance for any sort of compromise. Right, and I agree. The ins- the incentives for the Republicans are such as is to keep moving the ball further and further away from Biden the closer that Biden wants to get to a compromise because they have no incentive to make it seem like Biden solved any problem here in late 2023 moving into 2024, right? right? They have the, the idea further, if... You could argue that what they're doing with Ukraine is uh, to their political benefit, right? Because they don't want Biden to be able to say, we won the Ukraine war. They don't want Biden to be able to say, we won the Israeli war. They don't want Biden to be able to say, I worked with Republicans and uh, put a Band-Aid on the border. Is it perfect? No. But we made compromises and we're working towards solutions. They don't want to give Biden any opportunity for any sort of win. And I'm not – what's funny is like I'm not even sure that it matters because I'm not – it's not clear to me that he can win uh, regardless of the the best possible outcome on any of those three Items that I just mentioned. Right. I mean, yeah, if everything goes well, people will still like that. That's why I find it odd when these uh, polls come out and they're they're pointing to this issue or that issue when it's not really any of those things. Like if you're complaining about gas prices and a year from now, gas prices are not a problem. You'll find another problem to complain about because you just don't like, you know, that side. You know, if you're like a Republican, you're not going to want a Democrat to continue to win and vice versa. So like the polling question makes it almost seem like it's like a. I was a gettable voter, but they'll just find something else that they don't like about the person, um, and they'll do that for whomever. You know, if, if Haley were to sub in for Trump, they'll find some reason to not like her as well. Like it's just the nature of how these things go. Right. It's ten thirty now. Ten thirty now. Our children just waiting for us. Oh, the children are fine. I know. I'm tired too, though. All right. It is now time to play the. Hot 100 game. It's the Billboard Hot 100 game. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Billboard Hot 100 game on the Cast Iron Brains Radio Network. This week, we're attempting to prove the degradation of the culture uh, using the Billboard Hot 100 chart. If you are confused about the rules, that's fine. Uh, We're going to listen to some songs, and then we'll figure it out. We are going to... Number 17 is the year that we're headed towards. 17 is 1999. And our uh, p- chart position is number 83, which is well down the Billboard Hot wow. 100 chart. Okay, I can't even hazard a guess at 83. Pull it up for this week. We've got, uh, once again, Brenda Lee uh, rocking around the Christmas tree. I will make sure there's a link in the show notes to an article that I read about 
uh, her ascension to number one. There are a number of records that she broke by ascending to number one. Uh, did you know uh, that she was only like uh, 14 years old when she recorded that song? No. Uh, very mature sounding voice. Uh, lots of Christmas here in the top 10. Oh my God, we can't escape this Luke Combs. Luke. This is another <laughs> no. Another Luke Combs song. Boy. It's uh, it's Where the Wild Things Are. Is this which the is the now one? This is a cover of a beloved children's book, Isn't apparently. <laughs> He's covered The Fast Car, which is a beloved Tracy Chapman song. And now this one is Where the Wild Things Are, which is... Uh, the beloved children's author Maurice Sendak. I guess this is Luke Combs's take. I don't think you can cover a book on Ooh, that book, but there are covers of books. Mm-hmm. Can't remember the the lyrics. He's got a phone. My big brother rode an Indian scout. Real happy to be here. He was black like a jack. He's a big feller. American spirit hanging out of like his, his mouth. Just like, like our daddy. That's a good cigarette, though. He kick-started that bike one night and broke mama's heart. He pointed that hill out west, out where the wild things are. He'd call me up every couple of weeks. This sounds like an 80s South song. South California. Talk about the desert. He does have a pretty voice, but the music is terrible. His lyrics are stupid and pointless. Yeah, Lord, that shit sucks. So, uh, that's, I don't think there's anything wrong with country music. I, I do think I have a prejudice against how country music sounds. Like, anytime I hear that... It sounds bad. <laughs> again, I can't say it's bad. It's just like, like there's something... It's kind of like when I listen to like house music, it's just like, uh, I'm sure somebody likes it. I'm not one of those people. That sounds like a song from the 80s. What about it sounds like the 1980s to you? I don't know. I'd have to find another shitty 80s song. But it sounds like in the background of a movie during a, mo- a montage in the 80s. But without the words. Your hiccups are real annoying. You should knock that off. Uh, yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> So do the regular next one. All right. 1999, we are looking for, let's see, today is the 18th. We will pull up. The week before Christmas. Well, let's see. Our Christmas this year is on a Monday. Christmas in 99 was on a Saturday. So we're going to go with Monday the 19th, which is just one day off from today. So the week of Monday the 19th, the number one song in the country was Smooth by Santana, oh. an absolute classic. Rob Thomas? That's right. It had been at number one for 10 weeks already uh, and was still riding high. Well, that's clearly better than Luke Combs. Yeah, but that's not the question. It's a the question is not song. number 83 versus number one. Oh, we have to go. It wouldn't number, okay, I got you. We have to go down the list here. Let's see. We got some Jessica Simpson. Ooh, Savage Garden, one of the worst <laughs> outfits Which of one? all time. <laughs> I I knew I loved you at number four. That's good. It peaked at number four, apparently. Are they the not truly good. Mandy s- Deeply people, or is that another? That is an impressive yes. pull by you, Abe. I would not have expected yes, you of all in, people. Uh, in the Canadian days, I think of like a middle school dance. Yep. 
Uh, we got Lou Bega in the top uh, 20 here. Mamba number five. TLC. The song Abe and I danced to once. <laughs> TLC with Unpretty. Uh, That's the Way It Is by Celine Dion. Uh, Counting Crows classic, Hanging all right, Around. All right, all right, all right. Let's see. Scrolling and scrolling. All the Small Things by Blink-182, 59. Number 83. This is... This is the reason that this feature in this oh, show exists. Cl- this is a perfect example of why we're doing this, and I'll play it for you now. Dr. Say my name, say my name. If no one is around you, say, baby, I love you. If you ain't running game. Say my name, say my name. You acting kind of shady, ain't calling me baby. Why the sudden change? Say my name. Say my name, if no one is around you. Say, baby, I love you. If you ain't running game, say my name, say my name. You acting kind of shady, ain't calling me baby. Better say my name. Another day, I will call. You would say, baby, how's your day? But today ain't it the same. Every other word is a huh. Yeah, okay. Could it be the truth or at the crib with another lady? If you took it there, first of all, let me say. I get the point there, obviously. They were already down to three members back. They, they started with four. No, it was four. Say my name. They had four, I think, right? Did that was four. You were looking at four people. I thought that was like a dude. Okay. Whatever. Obviously, that's the winner. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One of the biggest hits ever. Right. Of that anything. was the, That was at number eighty-three because it was its debut on the chart that week. It obviously wow. would eventually ascend to number one and no doubt stay there for a very long time. But the reason that I said that that is a perfect example of why we do this segment is that I fucking hated that song in nineteen ninety-nine. I would have been extremely annoyed by it. Did you hate it? I, I would have. I, I would have watched the video and said, "This is some catchy bullshit," and I. Uh, yeah. I get it, I guess, but like, get the fuck out of here with this nonsense. Uh, but what Say My Name by Destiny's Child is, is thoroughly timeless. It is interesting, and it will live forever, and people will never fucking forget it. And The whole world's different. We have Beyonce now. We yeah. didn't have Beyonce. Then that song happened, and we had Beyonce. The whole world is different because of that song. That wasn't their first one, was it? Sure fucking was. What was the one where uh, paying bills, right? Was that after or before? That was the same album. Won't pay my automobiles <laughs> is the line I remember from that one. And we'll but never like, forget. that was the hit. She said automobiles. It's a play on... Automobiles and bills, and I'll never forget it. <laughs> that was the first hit. That was the say my name is the. Then, if that was the first hit, then the fourth one was definitely there somewhere, right? But it, they it, didn't drop. It, it would make sense if this was the first one because you're saying it, it's it's making its ascendance, right? It starts at eighty three. It's going to move up to one. Like, so it's like if they were already at one, then the, the next song would have probably been a hit also. Maybe this was the first one. Let's see here. 
Killing Time was the first release of the album. It was featured on the Men in Black film and the accompanying soundtrack. This is way back in 1997 was the first Destiny's Child record. Uh, no, 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 with me and the no, 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 no. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, and it wasn't until the writings on the wall in 1999, which does feature four of Destiny's children on the cover. Okay. And the first one was indeed Bills, Bills, Bills in May of 1999. Bugaboo was released in summer of 99. Oh, that's right. The summer one. That was a good summer song. And then Say My Name says it was released October 14th of 1999, but apparently didn't make the charts until December of uh, 1999. Is there, uh, how how bad would uh, music have to get for you, Bob? in 20 years, in 2043, to say, you know, say what you will about Luke Combs, but is there any chance that you're going to talk up Luke if, Combs well, in no, 20 years? There's zero chance that where the wild things are exactly. is going to have a meaningful uh, place in the culture t- 20 years from now. Well, let's that's, that's what the point of the song. What if it's like AI music? It's just all bullshit. At least a human it was singing won't. back then. Then Luke, then Luke Combs and Drake and Taylor Swift will have been. It, it, it will all just be subsumed by the AI, and it will just continue to reproduce the garbage nonsense that we're hearing now. Right. That's my point: is that since Drake and Taylor Swift came along to ruin the world, it's not uh, their fault. I mean, that's what we're pegging it, it on is. here. Music has gotten purposefully less interesting. On purpose, they did that. Yeah. Say my name. Say what you will about it. Uh, it's probably some fucking uh, psycho Swede who's behind it, some secret Nazi. Almost who, definitely. Who, who came up with the hook. But God damn it. Best kind of Nazi. God damn it. It's a hook, right? Like, it's there, and you're never going to fucking forget it, and you'll be hearing it at... Uh, and you're never going to stop hearing it either. I hear parties it at, and... least, at least four times a week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, clear winner as to the, the good like old it. days. Uh, Luke Combs can fucking suck it. That is enough Luke Combs for the goddamn Billboard Hot 100 game. If you look at the meta tags that I stick on these episodes when I post them to the website, you're going to find Luke Combs all over the goddamn place here in the last couple months, and it's not okay. <laughs> Probably won't be the last. We'll see if, We'll see him again. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on uh, the internet at brainiron.com. Head over to brainiron.substack.com. What whoa? It was a football play. Trying to do the talky outro nonsense here, lady. I'm sorry. It was exciting. Talking right over the moneymaker, which is brainiron.substack.com, where you will eventually be able to pay money, uh, arguably for the uh, privilege of listening to uh, this sort of nonsense. I'm leaning in the direction of going with 100% free-to-listen-to content and just asking for money. That's that's the just, hey, if you like what's happening around here. Because I nothing pisses me off more than listening to what I am enjoying as an interesting conversation and it getting to, like... An hour in, and the asshole podcaster What's coming this, on. This Patreon, you could make a Patreon. That's what the Substack effectively is. It's a Patreon, but it's effectively. It, it's at people more. People don't know what Substack is. Yes, they do. It's at more favorable terms in terms of uh, what Substack's end is than the Patreon terms are, I believe. Okay. Um, but uh, regardless, nothing bothers me more than listening to an enjoyable conversation and getting to the point where the paywall pops up and it just it, i'm sorry 
I cannot possibly give money to every single one of these independent outlets that are producing interesting and good content. It's just not going to happen. But, you know, you can uh, juggle them or you can pick a few that you really enjoy uh, and, and choose to support them uh, in that way. And that, that will ultimately, I think, be the, the way that this content gets monetized is that it's for help. And also, by the way, Corey sent in a, uh, an wow. email, uh, listener Corey sent an email uh, suggesting that he wanted us to give out Abe's Venmo since it appeared that Bob was about to go on the monetization track. It's fucked up, Corey. Without, I'm the one working. Without Abe uh, on board. Rest assured, Abe, or Corey, rather, uh, I, I'm assuming that this wasn't actually an email that Abe has cloned Corey's email and uh, uh, as, as a way of uh, trying to elbow his way in. Rest assured that any profits derived from this show will be appropriately and fairly distributed uh, among those who contribute to it. So relax. I was... Not about to go off to the the land of milk and honey and leave poor Abe behind at the IRS. Uh, no one wants to go there. Uh, there's no there's no uh, money to be had, but yes. Oh no, it's coming! Don't you worry. Uh, the opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. TetramerMusic.com. T e t r a m e r Music.com. Abe, did you go see Wonka this I week? did not see Wonka. I'm going to oh, see it this wow. week. I did go see another movie, The Iron Claw, which is a pro wrestling movie or a movie about pro wrestling. The, oh, my. The kid from uh, The Bear is in it. He's like all muscled up. Um, what kid? The guy the, with the hair. The, the, the main, main guy. guy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, he's a full adult though. And uh, Zac Efron also is in it. Um, basically, everybody More of a kid. looks like they all. Abe is, Abe is 41 years old now. Everybody's a kid to old Abe. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How old is the other guy? So, so uh. this movie is based on, on, on a real like pro wrestling family. The actual real story is more compelling than the, the movie was, whatever. It was fine. Uh, some of the casting choices was odd. They had like uh, some guy playing Ric Flair. Didn't really. Land role, they probably should have. Ric Flair is still alive, isn't he? Yeah, but this is like nineteen, like eighties. Ric Flair. I don't care. Go get Ric Flair. <laughs> that would be. Funny. There's only there's only one man who can woo, and it is only Ric Flair can do it correctly. But I got news for you. See, I'm still wearing cashmere. Yeah. I'm still walking around and alligators. I'm still looking at the diamonds on this big old Rolex. I'm still riding around that limousine. And I am still driving the women in this world completely out of their ever-loving cotton-picking minds because I am still the world's heavyweight wrestling champion. Do I make myself clear? Woo! Woo! Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Oh, that would be hilarious if they had present-day Ric Flair pretending he's like 30. <laughs> he's like, all right. Absolutely. You can, if you can de-age Bobby De Niro to, uh, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> in a Scorsese film, yeah. why can't you do it to Ric Flair? What's weird about this, uh, this movie is that... so. In the movie, you know, they obviously, hey, the wrestling is, uh, you know, it's like all choreographed and everything. But th there are scenes later on in the movie where it gives the impression that there's like 
there's like this tension where like Zach, the Zach Efron character like psyching himself up to fight Ric Flair in a fight that's like predetermined, but like they can't possibly like they're like oh man I hope I do well and he's like I'm gonna beat this guy out but it's like this is like all just for shits and giggles like but they they have to present it like as if it's like Rocky going to fight somebody right do like, you do you not think that professional wrestlers have to get themselves into that similar mindset before they go out there or do you do you assume that they don't actually present it like that even they don't go so far into the kayfabi of it all right. to to like pretend that they're going to go out there and kick that guy's ass but i mean they must do something to get the testosterone pumping to get the to get their <laughs> maybe their dander up before but, they go out but there but the scene that precedes is like the, the his old basically the, the, the dad is like it's like the worst father you can rest easy bob uh, uh, you got a, a, a lot of competition out there it's like the worst father ever so he has six six children six boys and he's trying to model them all uh after himself like he was like a a wrestler, but like he didn't really make it. Like he didn't have the the mic skills that you need uh, to make it right. in, this, in this world. And so he's making all of his kids uh, become what he was not able to become. And so six kids. The first the first uh, kid died when he was five. I'm not gonna pin that on him. It's just a tragic death, right? Three other kids. Was it a tragic death that resulted from a five-year-old taking a, a triple gainer off the top rope? <laughs> there was or... no, no connection to wrestling. It just oh, was okay. a freak accident. He died. But the pressure that these kids were under resulted in three of his kids committing suicide. Like three suicides, a fourth. This is, and this is based on a true story? Yeah. And then the, 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 actually there were so many suicides that the story only mentioned two of them. Like I had to like I thought there was a third kid that killed himself, but they didn't have time to show uh, that. Don't they, don't trivialize this movie by sticking uh, uh, Timothy Chalamet or whoever in it. Like make make the thirty for thirty and yes, be done with it. This would have this would have been much better. Just like a straight up just document. Like oh, this they crazy all family. Are. And uh, the the father like the the family name's like Atkinson, but like he's like oh I need like a tougher name, so he went with uh, Von Eric like his grandma's name, and he's like I want to play my character as like a Nazi, like I want to be like a, a heel, <laughs> like and the kids just continue to go with that name. Uh, and also, a fourth kid died because his he was pushing him like you know these wrestlers have these ridiculous schedules where they have to like fight every night, so he's like fighting, right. and then he's like oh go to Japan, oh they they like wrestling, go there and fight. And uh, uh, he had, like, internal bleeding and died, like, at a hospital. And every time one of his kids dies, he's just like, don't cry. Don't be a pussy. Like, ah, oh, we got to be tough. Like, the whole time, he never gives it up. He never, like... Is this a, is this movie in wide release? I didn't... I've never even heard that it existed. It is not as wide as uh, the Wonka's of the world, but uh, okay. it, it was in my theater. And uh, it was uh, enjoyable just from, like, holy shit. Because I knew the story, but I was like, I don't know how they were going to make it into a thing. It seemed like half of the cast was like on steroids because they were like, I mean, Zac Efron's usually like a muscular fella, but like he was even more so. Uh, right. They must have been juicing. I think they all do, right? All of the they never like say they the, do, but they must. Yeah, the even like, yeah, the, movies, all, the bear yeah. guy, uh, Jeremy Allen White, or he's got three names. Uh, he was a little muscled up too. More so yeah. than he's all, he's normally somewhat muscly, right? But even it's like, like he's the most like, unbelievable part of the bear is that that guy looks like that. Yeah, well, I mean, you put me in on a, a, a strict human growth hormone regimen and feed me nothing but grilled chicken for six months, I'd turn into a fucking Superman too. I think probably <laughs> uh, kind of old. <laughs> yes. uh, I mean, the Rock is like ten years older than us, and he's but he's the Rock. 
I know that. But uh, the you Rock said... is the Rock. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> oh, that guy. That guy eats human growth hormone Cheerios. Like it's just. Yeah, what yeah he... <laughs> he only eats human growth hormone. This is immaterial to the conversation because it's not out yet, and you said you're going to go see Wonka this week. But Aquaman, I've seen the ads for Aquaman now while like watching football and stuff. Looks yeah. real bad. Why does it look that way? Why it does it does. look? We gotta go to bed. Not just like obviously the movie's stupid and it's just a bunch of big baddies fighting in CGI, yeah. uh, or whatever. But like it looks like such dog shit on the screen. Uh, and it's not like because I have a bad internet connection, right. but that's sort of what it looks like. Like it just looks like uh, garbage looks like smear a weird of color. Indian and... music video. Right. Yeah. It's it just looks terrible. Why? Why do they keep making these people movies? People keep seeing yeah, it. People like me keep seeing these stupid people movies. Keep going. Yeah. It's Abe. It's Abe's fault. Obviously, <laughs> we got to go to bed. What did we do this weekend besides we watch shit. football? We watched football. We watched. Uh, what did we watch while we wrapped presents? A Christmas movie with the kids. We watched the... Uh, oh, wait. No, that was last weekend. What Zemeckis, did we watch on Friday? We watched the Zemeckis Christmas yeah. Carol, uh, which is... Uh, it's fine. The Jim Carrey uh, animated one. And it was good. I have big thoughts about the Christmas Carols, obviously. I've written many posts about the Christmas Carols in the past. I will uh, write more posts, possibly podcasts, uh, in the future about christmas carols uh but this was a, a perfectly acceptable one although the only the only piece of uh, negative criticism that i will give it is that especially in some scenes and i know that this sounds like a criticism of something that i'm making only because i know that this is exactly the way that it was done mm-hmm. but the very first time that nephew fred who in this case is played by uh, the guy from Love Actually. Gary Oldman? No. Uh, oh, Colin Firth? Colin Firth plays nephew Fred, and so he gets the big intro at the beginning where he comes in talking about how wonderful uh, Christmas is and don't be such a Scrooge, Scrooge, because Christmas is wonderful. When he gives that opening speech, it sounds like a man standing in a gigantic empty room giving a speech uh, in no context with nothing around him. Like it sounds like a, a voice speaking in a giant empty room rather than in an actual physical place. And obviously that's what's actually happening, right? right. Because that's the, just bad sound editing. The whole thing is taking taking place in this giant empty room uh, uh, surrounded by white and uh, funny little dots on his black suit so that he can be uh, 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 motion capped or whatever right. and they can then animate him later. But the, the, the sound design of it was such that on uh, it's not like we have a great home surround system or something but it usually sounds like it's supposed to sound right like a, a person is talking inside of a room but it didn't sound like that at all and it, like that is the sort of thing that takes me out of a movie right away and it's and uh, i enjoyed the animation in this one more than i do in like the polar express which was done the exact same way just a few years earlier by the exact exact same guy by the zemeckis crew and i think that it had gotten better uh, but it still wasn't quite there yet. Uh, but the sound design in particular was a problem, at least in terms of the voice acting. Uh, but otherwise, it was a fine movie. It was yeah. a good time. It was fine. And then we, I guess we just watched football on Saturday? I think we watched football and then we put on like YouTube videos and just sort of... Yeah, but while I was wrapping presents, we were just watching football? Yeah, watching football. There were NFL games on Saturday oh, night. yes. Uh, I was very focused on the presents. Not a lot of good NFL games. Uh, if no, you, but if... bowl, bowls are starting... If you're into the late NFL season in 2023 and like Joe Flacco and Geno Smith. (laughs) 
and Gardner Minshew. <laughs> and Gardner Minshew are like probably top ten quarterbacks in the league. Uh, <laughs> this is a bad year for quarterbacks. I mean, it's injuries and everything. Yeah, it's real bad out there. I made money by being absolutely certain that even though the Steelers were winning by two scores uh, and appeared to have every single break going their way, I took my knowledge of what a total piece of shit bum their quarterback (laughs) is. Trubisky. uh, uh, Mitch Trubisky, who I watched perform abysmally just last week or maybe the week before. And I looked at my betting app and it was like the Colts are now a plus 250 to win this game, uh, down by two scores in the first quarter. And I was like, okay, putting some money on the Colts because Mitch Trubisky ain't winning any games in the National Football League, even if it is Gardner Minshew that he's up against. 30 unanswered uh, points. Fine. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah, good times. Uh, Anyway, you, uh, you got anything else for us tonight, Abe? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. And we'll talk to you next time. Later. This is a fun game tonight, aren't we? Yeah. What game? Eagles-Seahawks. Oh. It's almost like we don't have a TV in the room. Fucking Geno Smith's inexplicable Although, fourth act continues out there in the last Seattle. Last time we watched a game while we recorded a show, a man someone died. very nearly yep. died. Oh, that's so right. So let's not let's not do that. I don't think we have that sort of power exactly. Let's not find out. I don't know if we had the power to like uh, permanently injure Jalen Hurts. Should we not take no! it? No. Given that we couldn't possibly be held accountable <laughs> from this far away. No. We are recording this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are they going to get me on? Oh, witchcraft? <laughs> like, what is the charge? It's a, it's a violation of speech, according to Very Abe, in all likelihood. It's a, a, a call to violence. <laughs> Although, if you did call, you know, that would be different. I mean it, though. Like, usually I see these... Uh, these commercials for these video game uh, superhero movies, and I'm like, oh, all right, that looks kind of fun. Like, it's not to my preference, but like, I can see why a person would maybe want to go see that. But th- with this Aquaman shit, like, it is utterly indistinguishable to me from just pure AI garbage that was right. farted out for like the PlayStation or something. Like, I, I, I don't know what it is that they're. It's like they're not even trying. So, yeah, Aquaman 2, because we made the first fucking Aquaman, and now, fuck you, here's Aquaman 2. Yeah. Uh, go see it. Go see it, I guess. But it's fucking Warner Brothers, so you probably won't, so fuck it. Uh, we don't know. It's, it's like the, the, the it's not, that, what you just did there sounds like uh, the South Park thing where they're making fun of Rob Schneider. Like, ah, fuck it, you'll watch it. Like, just, they were making up just any premise to a movie. He's doing that on purpose. I'm doing that, yeah, absolutely. I've held on to that. <laughs> fuck you, watch it. Uh, for like, And I will. that will be part of my repertoire for the rest of my life uh, in a way that almost nothing, like, like obviously South Park had a great deal of influence yeah. on me uh, in, in, in any number of ways. But, ah, fuck you, watch it, is <laughs> like the main recurring joke that I think I still hold on to from South Park. Uh, we gotta go. With the possible exception of... I'm not your buddy guy. Yeah. I'm not your guy friend. <laughs> go down that road. <laughs> and yeah, I don't want to go down that road. Uh, I mean, there are. There's a lot. There's like 50 of them actually. Now that we think about it, yeah. but uh, yeah, good times.
All right. All right. Well, enjoy your enjoy yourself. Goodbye. Merry Christmas. The proceeding was created with 100% human content.